Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, how marvelous. How glorious is my Savior's love for me. Paul's purpose tonight as, as he writes to the Ephesians in this letter that we are reading, we're examining, Paul prays that his, that his audience, including us, would understand the love of God. But then he says the love of God is beyond comprehension. It is unfathomable. We can't even know it. And yet he prays that we would know it. That we would understand it. There's a tension there. There, It is so big and so vast and so expansive. Like the song says, if one would write the love of God above, um, one would, would uh, I can't remember the words, but a, a pen and ink would, would uh, drain the ocean um, because of how, how marvelous and how expansive God's love is for it. We've been seeing it in the book already. It says, in love, God predestined us for the adoption as sons. He, he loved us while we were still sinners and He predestined us before time began. He loved us so that He chose us to be holy and blameless in Him. He loved us so much that with the great power that rose Jesus from the dead and seated Him in the heavenlies, He loved us so much that He raised us up who were spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins while we were yet still dead in our trespasses and sins. He raised us up and made us alive. His love was so much for us. He loved us so much that He includes us. Even we Gentiles... He includes us as a part of God's people on equal footing with the Jewish people. These are the things that Paul has been telling us that is immeasurable to tell us of God's love. One of the reformers said that when God speaks to us, as it's if he gets down on his knees and speaks baby talk to us. You know, when, when, you, when you speak to a, to a small child that doesn't even verbalize yet, and you're, you're talking, it's important to do that. You, you speak to them because that's, they're learning, right? But, but it's like baby talk coming out of God's mouth to speak to us. It's reliable information. What He tells us is true. But compared to the awesome Reality of, of the fullness of God's love. We could never comprehend it all. He loves us so much. 
Paul here reflecting on all that he said so far. Uh, he, he, he tells us what he prays for the Ephesian believers. And, and I believe he, he prays for all those who would hear his message, including us. For this reason, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. For this reason, I bow on my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more than we can more abundantly than we, all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, help us to know this love that is unknowable. This love that we cannot know apart from your grace, apart from your revealing it to us. Lord, help us. Speak to us tonight. Help us to know that we are loved. Father, I pray that you would be with me Give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> he begins off for this reason. Now, he's actually picking up on the prayer that he started in the passage we looked, last, looked at last week. If you remember, I said he starts into this prayer and then he's got this parentheses, which is what we spent most of the time talking about last week. He said, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ... Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship. And, and all of that was, was kind of a parenthesis. But the reason he's getting at, the reason is because of Jesus tearing down the wall between Jew and Gentile. Because of the re reconciling work, man with man, and, and probably what even comes before that as well. Because earlier in chapter 2, there was, he rose us up from the dead, from being spiritually dead. He's torn down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. On, on the basis of all these things, Paul says, I bow on my knees before the Father. He, he prays, for this congregation in Ephesus. Now, he's praying for them, but we have his words today. And I think, for one, I think this, this prayer is for all those who would read this text. 
And it's also a model for us. That is how we ought to pray for one another. Uh, as, as Again, like I, I said a few weeks ago, when we see this model prayer, it's how we ought to pray for one another. It's showing us the things that we pray for spiritually. We, we don't just pray for the physical needs like my mom's brain tumor recovery or for, for someone... Uh, you know, who needs a transplant or all those things. Those are good things we do need to pray for. But let's not forget these, these things that were, were modeled by the Apostle Paul. We pray for these very things for one another. He says, I bow on my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. This is significant as well. Remember before, He was talking about how Jesus, in his work upon the cross, had demolished the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. And so whenever it says here, the father from whom every family is named, we might think back to what is in Genesis chapter 11 called the table of nations, where you have Noah and his family after the flood, they they went out from From that place, you know, there was the Tower of Babel story. And after that, you have this table of nations where Shem, Ham, and Jepheth, all their their family lines all dispersed out. And so you have every family on the earth all tracing back to Noah and his family and all of that tracing back to Adam. And and here we have uh, Paul saying, Every family of the earth, all of us are connected. We, we are, all of our families are connected because we all come from that line when God created Adam and Eve in the garden. Every family, every nation is included here. It's significant because Paul had just talked about how how the, the, the line of hostility had been broken down between Jew and Gentile. This is no longer just a Jewish thing. But we all, regardless of what family you come from, can be included in Christ Jesus. This, he first told us who he's praying to. He's praying to the Father from which every family derives its name. And then he says that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. The first thing Paul prays for the Ephesian church, and I think it applies to us, is for us to be strengthened with the power of the spirit. In our inner being. He wants us to have spiritual strength. If we're weak, we will give in. If we're weak, when temptation comes, we're dead ducks. If we're weak, how will our evangelism be effective? But Paul prays that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. He prays that we would have the spirit dwelling in us and giving us strength and power. That is how our ministries will be effective. 
Not in how technically good we are. Not in, in the ability to be able to pull off events or anything like that. We need the power of God at work in us. Spiritual strength that comes from Him alone. And it's a gift. He prays that according to the riches and glory, His, his lavish power, this lavish uh, power that, that was the same power that rose Jesus from the dead and seated Him in the heavenlies and rose us from, to spiritual life and seats us with Christ in the heavenlies, that same power that is according to His riches and glory, that same power, Paul prays, that would be granted to us. It's given to us. The next thing he prays, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. As the Spirit dwells in us to give us this strength, this, uh, this power, this um, effectiveness in ministry, this effectiveness in fighting temptation, we have Christ dwelling within us, dwelling within our hearts. I can't help but think of another text that talks about Christ dwelling within us. There are a couple of texts. One is John 14, whenever it talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus said, uh, if, if a man remains in me, we, we've got to abide in the vine. We can't, be conne- we can't be disconnected from the vine. We have to fellowship with Him. Our salvation is by grace. This power is a gift But we can't expect to to live in that if we're not seeking after Him and coming to Him and and gaining our nourishment from the vine. He also speaks of this in Colossians where he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do we abide in Him? By dwelling on the Word. The Word of Christ dwells in us. It says that a person who has the Word of Christ dwelling in them richly sings psalms and hymns and spiritual songs one to another, teaching and admonishing one another. We live in a community together. In order to have this Christ dwelling in us and and having the the evidences of that shown from from, uh, Colossians, we've got to live in a community, in a church where we live these things out, where we teach and admonish one another, where we sing to one another songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Our desire is that Christ would dwell in us richly. Through faith. Not by works. He says that through faith. Not because we earn it, but it's through faith, through trusting in Him, through believing that He has this power at work in us. The next thing, He prays that we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth, uh, height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. 
that we may be filled with the fullness of God. He wants us to be strengthened with power from the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, from Jesus dwelling in us, but also He wants us to know the love with which He's loved us. He wants us to know the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Think about that. He wants us to have the strength to comprehend. He's talking about knowledge, to know, to understand the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. He wants us to know the unknowable. If in our understanding of the, of the love of God, we will never be able to fully comprehend it in this life. We will never be able to. We might experience it. And we may even have moments where we really are in touch with that love when we're overwhelmed with that love that He has for us. But it only scratches the surface because He loves us so much we could never plumb the depths of His love for us. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We've got to have this knowledge of, of God's love for We've got to know that God loves us. We'll never be able to, for, to, to overcome our sin. We'll never be able to, uh, to deal with the, the problems that happen in our lives if we don't have a good grasp of the fact that God loves us. We won't overcome our sin through guilt. We won't be able to, to manage all of the things that come at us through our own uh, just sense of having to be in control. No, the way that we can live our lives and the way that we can fight our sin is by knowing that we are loved by God. That we are loved by God. We will be filled with all the fullness of God. We will have everything that it takes that we can go about our, our ministry, go about everything that, that we are trying to do that God has called us to with everything, every resource supplied. He is there. He is with us. Now, these are the things that Paul has prayed for. He prays that we would be strengthened, that we would be indwelled, and also that we would know, that we would comprehend this unknowable, unfathomable love. Now he closes the prayer with a, with a doxology, with a praise to God. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. His prayer is that God would be glorified. That God would have all glory in the church, all glory pointed to Him from our faith in Jesus, all glory to God. He describes God as 
the one who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think. You think of a picture of what you'd like to see God do in your life or in this community. You think of a picture of of what you think it would be ideal. And God can do more. God can do more than we can ask or think. To Him who is able to do that, according to the power at work within us. Remember, already in chapter 1, He had said, it's that same power that's at work within us that is the power that rose Jesus from the dead and seated Him in the heavenlies. That same power is at work in us. To Him, to this God who works in us, who's chosen to condescend and use people for His mission. To Him be glory in the church. Oftentimes in churches, we're tempted to give glory to someone else. Well, isn't that preacher great? He's drawn a lot of people to that church. And the preacher or, or someone else, some other great leader gets the glory. God loves to do things in ways that nobody gets the glory but Himself. To Him be all the glory in the church. To Him be all the glory in Christ Jesus. He says, throughout all generations, as long as people continue, throughout every generation, let God have all the glory. And then not only as long as the human race continues throughout every generation, but forever and ever and ever. All of history, all things work together for His glory. For His glory. From, the, from before the foundation of the world, from before Adam and Eve ever sinned in the garden, to, to the cross and Jesus' suffering and death for us, to the moment whenever we believed all of those things, and, and to our, our mission as we proclaim the gospel to this community and to the nations. All of those things are so that God would have the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. May Him be glory. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.